stand on our feet this morning. Put our hands together as we bless the Lord.
us a praise this morning. He's worthy, amen. Nobody like our God. Hey, before we continue in worship, let's take a moment and just slip our hands to heaven and in prayer invite the presence of the Lord into this place, amen. Well, Lord, we just want to invite you, Lord, to be, Lord, a part of our service. God, we don't want to just sing songs about you, Lord, but we want to sing songs to you this morning, God. Lord, we want to make a place for your presence to come into this, this house, Lord, and just inhabit this place and change lives, God. We thank you, God, for this opportunity that you gave us, Lord, just to be able to come into your presence one more time. And we bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.
just sing that out as a prayer this morning. We cry out, breathe, oh breath of God, breathe, oh breath of God, breathe, oh breath of God, now breathe, breathe, oh breath of God, now breathe, oh breath of God, breathe, oh breath of God. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life. Oh, he is my song. You are good, good. Oh, you are good, good.
Somebody say that this morning with me. You are good, good. Oh, come on, lift your voice and say, Oh, you are Lord. You are so good to me. You are good, good. Come on, last time say, You are good.
Can we give the Lord some praise this morning? We serve a strong God. Hey, you can be seated real fast right here in the middle of worship. We want to baptize some kids. And as you see, we have a lot of kids excited about some baptisms. But this is Bethany. This is our children's pastor. And she's going to tell you a little bit what's been going on up at Kids Zone. Yeah, hey, everybody. So we had five kids get baptized in our last night's service. And we have two getting baptized this morning. And I just want to say, every single Wednesday and every single weekend, our goal from nursery through sixth grade is to teach kids how to learn the Bible, how to live for Jesus, and how to love being a Christian. And so I want you to to look around. If there's any kids in your neighborhood and your families that aren't involved in a service, get them here because these kids are getting a foundation put in them that they aren't getting anywhere else. So bring them here. We'd love to have them. And now we have a couple of kids who are going to get baptized. 
Amen. What's your name and why are you being baptized? And I'm seven years old and now I'm get baptized because I want to follow Jesus. Amen. That is awesome. Let's just extend a hand. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your daughter. God, right now we just pray a blessing over her and we baptize her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Be baptized, be filled. Amen, amen. All right, how about you tell us your name and why you want to get baptized? My name is Austin, and this is why I want to get baptized because I want to live for God. That is incredible. We are so proud of you. You want to take a step down in there? Well, Lord, we just thank you for Austin. We thank you that this is a mighty man of God who is going to do incredible things in his life. You knew him before you ever created him. And so, God, we just thank you that you have big plans for him. And today we bless him and we baptize him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, we encourage you. Don't let the kids be the only ones that do it. If you've never been baptized, then now's the time. Call the church, and we would love to have you baptized. Amen. Let's stand back on our feet. We have one more song, and let's worship God like he's good, right?
welcome to Church on the Rock. We are so glad you're here worshiping with us today. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. And don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. We are so glad you're here, and we hope you know there is always a place for you. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. We have corporate prayer Sunday, January 15th at 6 p.m. in the Church on the Rock Sanctuary. Come and pray with us as we seek God for the new year. Our men's conference is January 27th to the 29th. A few spots are still available. If interested, please see Pastor Mike or Wes Bowling. Wednesday, January 25th, we have a free hamburger meal along with our life group promotion. Be sure to come and hear all about the new Wednesday night groups. Mark your calendars February 10th and 11th for the XO Marriage Conference simulcast with Jimmy Evans. This conference is a great way to connect with your spouse and strengthen your marriage. Our annual Church on the Rock Women's Conference is March 2nd through the 4th. Deposits are due and spots are still available. If interested, please see Kimmy Ryan. Church is now at your fingertips with our brand new Church on the Rock app. Stay up to date with the Bible Reading Guide, where you can read or listen to the daily Bible reading and check it off day by day as we read the entire Bible in one year. Out of town for the weekend? You can live stream the weekend service right from your phone, as well as listen to or watch previous sermons. Click the Give tab for your tithes and offerings and learn what's happening this week under News and Information. Just search Church on the Rock Texarkana in the Android and Apple App Store, connecting you to God, friends, ministry, and the world. As you can see today, we are ready for Imagine More, the building expansion. Some things you can do to help in the meantime is when you see it fill up, just slide to the middle, make room for more people. Come on a Saturday night. We've got a great service Saturday night, early Sunday morning. But we've got a baby we're going to dedicate today. My favorite part of church. Let me hold this little angel and Daddy can introduce everybody. Tell him hi. Tell him hi. Go ahead and introduce your family while I'm playing up here. This is uh, little Hannah Grace. This is my wife, Shelvin. This is my other daughter. What's your name? <laughs> Ava. Ava Elizabeth. This is my mother-in-law, Karen. Father-in-law, Steve. This is my mother, Liz. My sister, Ashley. My sister-in-law, Adrian. I forget this guy every time. Bless you. Another brother-in-law. Well, this is a little lady of honor this morning. You know, a baby dedication is a sacred time. It's a, it's a time where she's just kind of showing up and hanging out. But it's mom and dad and sister 
grandparents, aunts and uncles that are saying, we're going to endeavor to raise this little girl to know Christ. We're going to, because the loudest sermon she'll ever hear won't be one that Bethany will preach or I'll preach, but it'll be the one that you live every day. She'll see Christianity in action as she sees not a, a house full of perfect people, but a people who endeavor to love and honor God and ask forgiveness when they mess up. Isn't that right? She said she's the best pastor she's ever heard in her life. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. Let's pray for this little girl. Lift your hand towards her right now. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this little girl. God, we thank you for her sister, Lord, and the bond that they'll share as they grow together. I just pray, Lord, that you would bless her. You keep her in the palm of your hand all your life. I ask you to keep sickness, Lord, far from their home. I pray that, God, they wouldn't know acts of violence. I pray that they wouldn't wouldn't know strife uh, in their home, but I pray their home would always be a place of peace, always be food on the table, and always be love in the heart. And uh, I just ask you to bless this family today, and thank you for the door that you have opened to us to have a relationship with our God. And I pray that we could introduce this child at a young age, and we bless her in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. Amen. Tell them you're glad to see everybody. I'll see you later. Well, as you can see on our video announcements, there's a lot of things going on in the church. Women's conference coming up, so be sure to sign up for that. Get your money in. There's a men's conference, but we have 60 men that are going in a week or two to Pine Cove to meet with 40 other men for a big conference, a retreat. We have three spots open, so if you would like to join in, stop at the Connect Room and uh, see if we can get you signed up. Also, if you haven't got a packet yet, man, and you're signed up, stop by there. That means we don't have an email or a phone number to get in touch with you, so stop by and make sure we get all that taken care of. Hey, something I'm really excited about happens tonight, but it started off Friday night. We had a worship and prayer seminar with Abby and Joel. Uh, Abby's a member of our church and went off to YWAM, has been traveling all over the world, her and her husband, worship seminars, praying for cities. She helped us. Uh, we spent some time Saturday, walked around downtown, listened to the Lord about what this city needs to pray for, what's called mapping our city. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we got corporate prayer, so I encourage you to come out. Uh, spend some time in the presence of the Lord, learn how to pray, but I'm telling you, prayer is the battle. If we want to see victory in our city, victory in our church, our nation, it starts in the place of prayer. So come out tonight. There'll be live worship, and it's just going to be a great time. If nothing else, just get in the presence of the Lord. Amen. And we've got Wally, one of our elders, going to share with you for our offering. Good morning, church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, isn't it? You know, one of the greatest prayers that you could pray, and I'm sure many of us pray this prayer because I checked in the first service, is to pray to be more like God. The closer we draw to Him, the more of uh, Him we want to see in our lives. And this is one of the ways I want to be more like God. John chapter 3, verse 16. I read from the Amplified Version of the Bible. It says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that He even gave His one and only begotten Son, that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. In this scripture, I see an action that God did. That action was that he gave. But I also see a motivation behind the action. And the motive behind the action was the Bible says that he loved the world. And he pri highly prized the world. You know, I'm not a great sport fan, but there's a basketball team that I love so much. 
And usually every week I give them like three or four hours of my time. But there was a time that they came to play in Dallas and I really wanted to take my household to go and watch them. And when I tried to buy the ticket, it was going to cost $2,000. Nah. I love you, but not that much. I love them, but I don't place that kind of value on a basketball game. But you know, when God looked at mankind, he knew what it would take to save us. He was going to be his son. And he said, they're worth it. You are worth it. I am worth it. That's why he gave. It was that love and the high value that he placed on us that made him send his only begotten son. And ultimately, the purpose was to save mankind. And I want my heart to beat like the heart of God. I want the things that move God's heart to send his son to move my heart. So that as we're, you know, giving our offering and bringing our tithes to the storehouse of God, and we're supporting missionaries going all over the world, Japan, Mozambique, that many of us will never go to. But we're going with them as they go. You know, we're going to Nepal, we're going to Thailand, we're going to Mexico. Later this week, some people are going to Mexico. We're part of what God is doing. And there's no greater place to invest what God has given to you. Amen. Because it's worth it. Hallelujah. So as we give this morning, give with love at the back of your heart. For what God will get out of what you will give, souls that will be saved into the kingdom. And God bless you mightily as you give this morning. Amen. And as we, uh, the ushers wait on us, we're going to watch a video, short video about the life of uh, Dr. King. A man that didn't live for so many years, but you know what? He's still alive in our hearts because he lived for a purpose greater than him. So I pray that I and you will live for something that is greater than us. God bless you as you give. the Lord. Let's give Jesus a big hand. He does love all the little children of the world. We join with America today in remembering the life of Dr. Martin Luther King, but we remember more than just the fact that he was a civil rights leader that he was, but he was a minister of the gospel. And uh, I'll share some of his quotes today, but we are continuing a series we started last week called Accelerate. Can you say that with me? Accelerate, don't hold back. So I'm going to show you a couple pictures here that kind of remind you of some natural, practical things. 
How many know she's accelerating to get away from mommy and daddy? You could just see those little feet just kind of moving kind of quick. And, you know, that's why God wants 20-year-olds to have babies and not guys that are like me because you can't keep up with them. She's accelerating. Here's another one. Who knows who that is? Yeah, that's the old deck playing the Green Bay today. Maybe we should just pause just a minute and, uh, <laughs> and pray for him. But if you've played sports, I want you to think about when he planted that foot to get away from one tackler and avoid another, he accelerated. He launched out to because he was wanting to get away from something and, and go somewhere. Here's one more. This is a sad one, but I felt to show it. This is a turkey hunter's great disappointment when the turkey that he was trying to call up close to him spotted him and he flew away. He began to accelerate. He began to flap his wings and laugh as he went. Well, these are all pictures of things that we relate to as accelerating, but I want to suggest that they're spiritual metaphors because you and I can accelerate our spiritual life. I mean, no, we can stay where we are, we can slow down, or we can speed up our desire, our pursuit of having a deeper relationship with God. I mean, no, God wants that. How many know we can accelerate going deeper with God, but also we can accelerate our spiritual productivity, what we're, what we're doing for our lives in the kingdom of God? One thing that I, that I know, spiritual growth is, is not automatic. Our capacity, our ability to make a difference in the world for Christ doesn't happen just because I'm a lovable guy. How many know it's very deliberate? And at our church, we try to be very deliberate and strategic to help you in accelerating your spiritual life. Uh, we call it simply our mission, which is to connect people to God, friends, ministry, in the world. Can you say that with me? It's how we make disciples. We connect people to God, friends, ministry, and the world. Now, last week we talked about the third one. We talked about how to find significance and meaning in life. You remember last week's message? We call it connecting to ministry. It's doing something to serve Jesus because how many know touchdowns and Super Bowl rings, they won't last for all eternity. Now, there may be a room decorated with turkey tails. I'm not sure. My joke, okay? But things that last for Christ are eternal. Well, this morning we're going to continue in a similar vein, but I'm going to talk about connecting to God. Uh, I'll share what I believe is the greatest benefit that our church can offer you is to accelerate your personal walk with God, how you can grow closer to God. This is not a message about being involved in the church, though that's a great thing. It's a small part of it. But you as an individual, how you can draw nearer to God. And I want to show you a quick little testimony about a young lady in our church, uh, how she experienced this, and uh, I think we'll encourage you. Hi, I'm Jessica Gomez. I was born and raised in Texarkana, Texas, born and raised in church, and born and raised being force-fed the Bible. I decided I didn't want to be part of that anymore and moved to San Antonio where I got to have fun, be carefree, nobody knew me, I partied all the time, um, met my husband, then I got pregnant, and then got married, and life became a disaster. I realized I had to be responsible and selfless, and I ended up having to leave there. I came home, knocked on my mom's front door of her studio apartment, and didn't know where I was going to go, where I was going to stay. Um, decided I needed to find a church. I wanted my son to be raised in that environment and um, came to Church on the Rock where I was embraced by hugs from people I didn't even know and 
then I realized I knew some of the leaders and they really helped encourage me to seek after God. Um, so I did. I started reading my Bible and praying, but it wasn't it wasn't what I wanted. There was still that void. Um, one day I was running, listening to a praise and worship song, and it just hit me. I had to give everything over to God, every piece of me. And so I did. I started re really studying God's Word and praying all the time. And God started working in my life um, in ways I never would have imagined. And I now live in a three-bedroom home with my mom and my son, and I have a wonderful job where I just got promoted after being there two months. And it's just amazing. So just remember to seek God first, give Him everything, and He will bless you beyond measure. Amen. Give her a big hand. Now, let's contextualize her testimony and what we're talking about this morning. The message is called Closer to God. And you remember when she said, I was raised in church, my parents forced me to go, and thank God for parents that forced their kids to go. I think that's a part of what we do. My mom did the same thing, but yet we make our own individual choices. Remember she said she went off to San Antonio, which in some way was saying I was going farther away from God. And as I went further away from God, she said my life fall, fell apart, and I turned my heart back to Christ and the cross, but I also wanted to make steps to God through what the local church family could bring in my life. Remember, she said she started reading her Bible and praying. But then she said, it wasn't enough. I had to go deeper. And what she realized, there was a barrier standing in the way. She had to surrender parts of her life to Christ as she went closer. And this is what I'm talking about this morning. The message is entitled, Closer to God. And I want to read a passage. The text this morning is James chapter 4, verse 8. What does it mean to get closer to God? Is it possible? Uh, and how can Church on the Rock help? So this, this, part, this uh, part of the message, I'm going to broadly at first kind of do some broad things, half a dozen things that share with you how you can get closer to God, what it means. And then I want to specifically look this morning at the, about what I call the real meat of the message, but it's about the power of daily reading your Bibles and the influence it can have in your life as it helps you get closer to God. So James chapter 4, verse 8, what does it mean to get closer to God? The Bible's very clear in this. James chapter 4, it makes an invitation. Verse 8, he says, come close to God and God will. Now, we say that very easily, but how many know we're talking about the God that created the heavens and the earth, the God that knows everything about me, every thought I think, the God that to, before whom one day will be my eternal judge, the God who is eternal, he says, I want to get closer to you. This word closer, uh, to be close to God, means to come close, to draw near, to approach Him. It's a term implying space or a spatial relationship that I can either go farther from God or closer to Him, and the choice is mine. Ephesians 2 says, once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Now here it's talking about our salvation. When we first turn our hearts back to God to know Christ as Savior, a relationship with God begins. What I want you to understand today is something I didn't know as a boy. Uh, I was grateful for my religious heritage. I was raised in a small country, conservative Methodist church. But I didn't understand that I could have a personal relationship with Christ. So when I talk about getting closer, we're talking about that this relationship with God becomes real. It becomes more meaningful that you sense His presence, 
that we hear his voice. And how many know these are all good things? They're not spooky, they're not weird, but that's the way God has created us to have relationship with him. So let's kind of talk big picture a moment about, uh, about how we can grow closer in our relationship to God and perhaps how our church can help you and add value to your life. First and most importantly is our salvation. Now, the word save or saved, salvation, it means to be saved from something. It means to be saved from the, the penalty of sin. And if you were to quiz me, if I could go back to uh, my childhood, I would say basically to go to heaven, you just do more good things than bad things. And have me know it's proper to do good things, but you can't do enough good things to go to heaven. There's a problem. It's a barrier. It's called sin. And Jesus told us we had to be born again are born from above to have a spiritual rebirth to begin our relationship with God. For me, it was very deliberate. It was August 15th, 1976. That was about 40 years ago. I remembered it vividly. You say, well, how do you know? I was there, I mean. <laughs> but I can remember I was at somewhat of a crisis in my life trying to find the meaning of life, kind of running away, joined the Navy. A Gideon put a Bible in my hand. And that Gideon said that Jesus could change my life. And he shared a scripture that was, spoke volumes. He said, as many as received him, Christ, to those he gave the privilege, the right to become sons and daughters of God, even those that would believe on his name. And for the first time, I realized that just like at Christmas time, how many know there's a present under the tree, but unless you open that gift, it remains far away and you'll never be able to apply it in your life. So our salvation is the starting point. And you'll find that in virtually every service in our church, we give opportunity for people make, to make a step to Christ. I'll do this at the end of the message today. Uh, I'll invite people to join us at the cross, not to join this church, but to commit your life to Christ, to turn from your old way and follow Him. And that's a big one. Now, here's the second thing that, that is vital. And these first three things I'll share are experiences. Sometimes we look at our Christian faith in terms of our belief and our theology, but how many know salvation is an experience? The new birth is an experience with God. And here's the second one. It's a picture. It's about water baptism. What you saw with the young children just a few minutes ago, here's another young lady. Um, she's in water, and here's the picture. Water baptism is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That water is a picture of a grave, and it's as if a person dies, goes into the grave, and comes up a new person in Christ. Uh, this was so vital in the New Testament. Leave that picture up there. Uh, Paul even told Ananias, he said, uh, uh, after Saul was saved, he said, rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So it is certainly an outward sign of an inward work, but it is more than just, you know, something extra to do. It's more than just putting the name tag on for your kids. It is a profound spiritual experience that somehow the Bible even equates the circumcising of our hearts, the, the cutting away of the old nature. It is, a, it is a place where our old life has been buried and hidden in Christ. And I would encourage you, if you've not been baptized in water as an adult, just like we, we, we prayed for this child today, she'll make her own decision one day. And if you've not been baptized, I want to encourage you, it's a landmark spiritual experience in your life. It is a declaration of your testimony that I'm a follower of Christ, but it is an also a spiritual act of the circumcision of our hearts as we live for the Lord. We'll baptize any time, just, just call the office. Uh, here's another thing that, uh, that, that uh, we talk about in our church. If you want to go closer to God, I am convinced that we need a closer relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
Now, God is, represents, he reveals himself in three persons in the scripture, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, when we, Jesus told his disciples, he said, it's going to be better for you guys if I go and if I leave you, because then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said he's going to be with you, he'll live inside you, and he'll even come upon you for spiritual power. Now, the Bible tells us in Acts 1.8, this was so important and profound that Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until the experience of the Holy Spirit had visited them in a fresh way. It's often called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like we're baptized in water, the Bible talks about an experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says that you'll receive power when the Spirit comes upon us and we'll be His witnesses. And I want to suggest to you, I was not raised in an environment where I understood anything at all about the Holy Spirit. And I understand there's some folks who can get spooky and weird, but how many know you can go to the other extreme as well and deny His power and His presence? When we say things like, I heard the Lord speak to me, or I sensed His presence, or there was a gift that was operating in my life, we're all talking about activities or expressions of the Holy Spirit in and through us. And I want to encourage you, if you want to get closer to God, I will leave it in my prayer time. And I think it's appropriate to do this. As I pray, as Jesus taught me, to the Father, through the Son, I don't have a problem talking to the Holy Spirit. If He lives inside me, and He, as Scripture says, guides me into all truth, I will often say things like, Holy Spirit, would you help me to hear your voice today? Would you help me to accomplish the will of God? Would you help me to sense your presence is near? Would you help me as I live my Christian life? I think it's vital if you want your relationship with God to get closer is that we learn to surrender to the Holy Spirit, that we do what Ephesians tells us, to be continually filled with His Spirit. And uh, we'll speak more about that at a later date. But, but here's the fourth thing, and you're experiencing this this morning, a, a weekend service. Uh, now, I want to suggest to you, well, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 10, 25, how we get closer to God is through our corporate experience of worship. Hebrews 10, 25, it says you shouldn't stay away from the church meetings as some are doing. In other words, you should be vitally a part of a local church Christian community. The Christian community is, is bigger than just being a Dallas fan and going to the game. It's more than just going to a movie and, and being disconnected from all the people that are there. But it's where the body of Christ, the community of Christ gathers. Acts chapter 20, we see the, the pattern of the early church. On the first day of the week, we gathered with local believers there to share the Lord's Supper. So there's something profound that can happen in terms of being close to God when we come together. I, I got to be honest with you. I sense the Lord's presence closer in worship than I do with people, more than I do at home. I don't know if it's because I can't sing. My worship is, you know, it's. It, but but it, when I want to be with God, I'll tell you, I look forward to being with you in worship. And I'm not just singing about God. I'm singing to Him. You know, certainly we learn the Bible as we come together. We experience prayer. It's just something about drawing us closer to God. Because I can guarantee you this, if you just stayed home today and watched an old rerun movie on AMC or watched a new HBO, a lot of movies would make you feel dirty. Come on, I mean, understand what I'm talking about. But you can have experiences like that, and they'll never do for you spiritually what coming together in the presence of the Lord will do. And what I find in my own life, sometimes if I, and I've been a Christian 40 years, you know, I have times when I'm doing that with God, sometimes I plateau with God, sometimes I drift like that. 
And I don't mean I go off into just, you know, evil, horrible sin, but, but my heart kind of pulls away. Anytime we're, we're, we're gone for a couple of weeks, we were gone for the holidays. We went to see my folks in Mississippi, and the last week I just stayed home and went to church with you on the app, which is pretty cool, but it's different than being here. And my wife and I both tell each other, I can't, get to, I can't wait to get with my friends and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, give him a hand today. It's a path to spiritual growth. Here's another, getting close to God. You and I must deliberately pursue a path of spiritual maturity. Now I'm talking about not more than being saved, more than just the routine I've had for some period of time, but there's got to be a sense of purpose in my growth. Hebrews 6.1 tells us to leave, uh, 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 leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Now, this is what's missing in many, many lives. Many people make steps to Christ and they pray at the altar, uh, but they don't go on and grow up. It's like, how many know something is, uh, your, your child is cute when they have a pacifier when they're, you know, six months old. I mean, listen, there was a time in, in our life when we were as poor as church mice, I'd have given you $100 for a pacifier in the middle of the night. I mean, there were times that we just, we just didn't, you know, we didn't have enough, much money with our first child. But when Rebecca was born, we'd line that little crib at night with about seven or eight little pacifiers. Because, because listen, I mean, <laughs> we wanted her to be happy. <laughs> we wanted to sleep, too. There, you figure that one out pretty quick. But I can remember my son, I don't know how old he was, I'm thinking he's like 18 months pushing on two, and we call the little pacifier a boppy. And uh, 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 my wife felt, uh, I don't know what she felt, but she, she was determined to get that boppy out of that child's mouth. That child was old enough not to have a boppy, and he came up to me and said, Daddy, I love my boppy. I need my boppy, Daddy. I told her, I said, when this child starts dating, he will give up this thing on his own. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. He will not have it in his mouth. But she was determined. I, I'm kind of laughing now, but it would be something would be psychologically wrong with the child if they're 15 and walking around with their thumb in their mouth or their boppy. Well, as a Christian, we, 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 to grow spiritually, we've got to be on a path of spiritual growth. That's why we offer classes on Sunday, classes on Wednesday night. Many of our small groups, will, 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 when they come together, they'll have a curriculum they'll go through. I went through a, to a group uh, last semester, and it was on the gift of prophecy. I was so impressed by it that I wanted to get the series and teach it on a Wednesday night and have it available to everyone because it'll help us grow spiritually. Um, I, I have a dear friend of mine, and when he gave his life to Christ, it was radical. He'd lived in the world most of his life, but when he came to Jesus, uh, he would just weep in the back of the church. I mean, it was months, and I thought something was wrong with him, and I asked him, I said, are you okay? And he said, oh, I just sense God's presence so real. But here's the deal. He didn't stay there. He decided, I'm going to find out where the Bible's being taught. I'm going to find out where I can learn more and grow. And then before you know it, not only has he grown stronger, but now he's teaching other people. Now he's doing what the Bible calls all of us to do, and we've got to be deliberate about our maturity. Now, this last one that I want to focus on, though, is what I consider the most important, and it's the meat of the message. It is scheduling a daily time with God. I'm talking about 15, 20, 30 minutes, ideally in the morning. It seems better for me. Uh, some do it at lunch, some in the evening. But when it's just a private appointment with you and God, uh, it's not the radio, it's not anybody else, but it's a time to be with God. It's a time to spend a little time in worship. It's a time to pray. 
and it's a time to read your Bible. Uh, Martin Luther King said this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Well, how many know we don't want to just come to God? How many parents here that when your children, uh, do you want your kids just to come up to you with their hand out and always saying, hey, Dad, come on, I need a dollar? Well, that's when they're little bitty. But now I need 10, I need 20. Dad, I need $100. Now, listen, if you're a parent, you love them. But at some point, wouldn't you much rather say, Daddy, come here, just give me a hug. And then you say, okay, what do you want? Oh, I don't want anything. I just wanted to tell you I loved you. Well, prayer is this type of communion with God. It's not just asking God for what we want, but it is being with Him. Now, we've done a lot of messages on prayer. Personally, I, I, every day I pray through the Lord's Prayer. And that doesn't mean I repeat it, you know, in rote, but I go through each phrase of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's like a step on a ladder. And my first part of my prayer is to praise God, to thank Him for what He's done, thank Him for what He's given me. The next letter is let your kingdom come, let your will be done. I pray for my family, my wife, my children, my country, my new president. I, I, I pray for the church. Let your will be done. Give me daily bread. I pray that the Lord would, you know, put food on our table and these kind of things. But it's this last part about reading our Bible that I want to talk about. And if you are 40 or under, uh, if you, well, if you've been educated in America in the last 40 years, I especially want to speak to you because America has lost her sense of the Bible as the Word of God. George Barna, a, a researcher, tells us that there was 15 years ago in America's history, 50% of the population would have said that they believed the Bible was the Word of God. Now it's down to a third. And I suggest to you, if you look behind the violence in America, if you look behind the, the secular push, if you look and see all the craziness and you wonder, how can this be happening? It's because we've thrown away God's Word, come on, as the standard or the boundaries or the guidebook of life. Now, the Bible, what, the Bible is the Word of God. It is divine revelation. It is the way God speaks to us. I wish I had time to teach you about how archaeology has proven the Bible. I wish we could talk about the Bible as a historical document, the most referenced and the most uh, 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 prolific and available in terms of any ancient manuscript. But 2 Timothy 3 says this. It says, all Scripture is inspired by God. In other words, God inspired men over a couple thousand year period, 40-some authors, to write 66 books that tie together like that that predict future events before they happen, uh, God inspires this. Second Peter says, No prophecy in Scripture ever came from human initiative, but prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they did what? They spoke from God. So this is, an, and here, bottom line, this is true or it's false. And if the Bible is true... Uh, 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 listen, you can do study, and you can be more, co more convinced that the Bible is true, but at some point, you're going to have to, in your own life, say, I believe it or I don't. Now, 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 Jesus believed the Bible was the Word of God. Jesus said in John 17, thy word is truth. We're going to talk about truth, but at some point, I have to choose to embrace it as the Word of God, or I have to do what secular culture says, you just do what you feel like doing. You can make up the rules as you go. We saw this in the, in, in, in the presidential election and, and, and in elections that basically uh, uh, different candidates, uh, those that worked for in their, their uh, administrations, would say things like, well, we just have to do whatever we have to do to win. 
Well, you even hear that on a football field or a ball field to win a game or to win a tournament. Do we do whatever we have to do to get what we want? Or has God defined right and wrong? Has He defined right and wrong when it comes to morality? Well, the Bible teaches us clearly that it has. Uh, Let me give you another quote. Uh, I just learned recently Martin Luther King was born in 1929, but his name was Michael King. When he was five years old, his daddy was a Baptist preacher. He went to Europe, the home of the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther, the Catholic priest. And daddy was so impressed by what Martin Luther had done, he came home, and, and you Google it if you don't believe me. He, he renamed himself Martin Luther King Sr., and he renamed his son from Michael to Martin Luther. Now, here's what his namesake Martin Luther said about the Bible. He said, let the man who would hear God speak read the Holy Scriptures. So that's my starting place today. Now let me tell you briefly four ways that the Bible will help you in your daily life. And I'll be very deliberate with you. What, I, what my hope is today in the service, if I have been successful, I would have, I would have encouraged and inspired you to become a daily Bible reader. Someone that has sets aside time every day. That is my intention. Here's the first reason. Uh, Psalm 119, daily, daily Bible reading will help me make better decisions. Scripture says in, uh, that your word, the Scripture, is a lamp to my, and a guide to my feet and a light for my path. Now think about that. It's a light to my path. Uh, I love to be outdoors. I love to go out in my yard. Uh, but in the spring and summer and fall, when it's dark outside, I've always got a flashlight because I know there could be some little slimy, little little critters out there, and I want something to shine on my path and show me the way to go because we've killed two uh, two poisonous snakes, uh, copperheads, and they were literally about that long, huge, the kind that scared you. But let me know, a flashlight will let you see danger. This works in daily life. Uh, I had a friend of mine several years ago, if you remember their old restaurant, Bennigan's, he called me one day and he said, hey, I'm thinking about investing in bringing Bennigan's to town, but I'm a little t- concerned about it because they have a bar and they'll sell alcohol. Can you give me any biblical guidance? And I said, well, you know, the Bible doesn't, there's no absolute prohibition on alcohol, but clearly th- there is a warning against drunkenness. So I asked him the question, I said, well, how would you like, because you're going to be trusting the future of all your patrons to a bartender who may or may not be, you know, watchful over how much people. First of all, I don't see how you can just drink a drink and being able to drive in today's crazy world. But, and be on your phone, come on now. But anyway, lo and behold, he decided not to do it because he prayed about it. And he said, I, I don't, I just don't want my money to go. Well, you know what happened? They served an underage girl. Uh, uh, I think she was 16. She was drinking. She was driving. She got killed. And later there was a lawsuit. And now Bennigan's is closed. Well, not only would it have been a bad investment, but it would have been a bad thing on his conscience. Come on now. How many know the Bible just will help you make better decisions in your life? Here's another one 2 Timothy 3 again. Daily Bible reading helps us know the difference between right and wrong. And this is particularly important if you have children. The Bible talks about uh, 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 talking about the Scripture, uh, writing it on the doorposts of our house so our kids can know these things. But 2 Timothy 3 not only says Scripture is inspired by God, but it's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is Now, I'm going to, is that a true statement or a false statement? 
Either the Bible is God's word and has the ability to tell me the difference between right and wrong or it doesn't. Because secular culture does not believe that this is truth. And we that have been educated in secular culture and under its influence, I'm telling you, friends, philosophers and, and, and teachers scoff at the Bible and make you believe that smart people don't know and trust the Bible. Listen, there's a lot of people with a lot of letters behind their name, highly educated people that believe the Bible. There's a lot of scientists. There's a lot of archaeologists, a lot of astrophysicists. I mean, there's people that are on our side, intelligent people that believe it's the Word of God. But most importantly, Jesus himself said in John 17, your word is truth. Uh, The psalmist said, all your words are true and all your righteous laws are eternal. Now, we're not talking about issues in the Bible that are nuanced to the culture, you know, in terms of the way they dressed or some of the relationships. But the moral code of the Bible is absolute truth. Modern society will tell you there's no such thing as absolute truth. It is the same society that doesn't want the Ten Commandments of God on the, on the walls of our school buildings. They would rather have metal detectors and guard dogs and police force on campus rather than teaching a, a code of morality that teaches a person, thou shalt not kill. Come on, we would rather control it as man, and we can't control this behavior. We would rather control it as man. Well, lo and behold, these philosophers will tell you every individual gets to determine what's right and wrong. Because I feel like doing it, that's what makes it right. Well, this is not biblical. Martin Luther King would agree with me. He said, in contrast to ethical relativism. Again, now, the world remembers him as a civil rights leader and those that, that you know, well, but, but I, he, was, he, was a, he was a man that believed the Bible. He said, Christianity sets forth a system of absolute moral values and affirms that God has placed within the structure of the universe certain moral principles that are fixed and immutable. In other words, God's Word, the true and the false, the right and the wrong, is as applicable to me as a man that's 59, in Tex- a white man in Texarkana that's 59, as it does to a, a, you know, a, pers- a woman in Papua New Guinea that's 12 years old. You know, it's as, the moral code of the Bible is the same as those who walked in Jesus' day as it is for today. And our only question is, will we submit to God's Word Or will we say we know better? And that's what the culture teaches us to do. You see, if you'll read your Bible every day, you'll know God's perspective on issues in the culture. For example, right now in Texas, they're talking about passing a bathroom law bill, the whole transgendered issue. Well, the question is, our society tells us, and you look on Facebook, I think it's 30 or 40 options that you can pick your gender. But the Bible tells us that God created us male and female. And for the vast, vast majority of people, their, uh, their, their uh, anatomy at birth d- it determines our sex. But the world says there's a different way. So who do you believe? How do you know what to believe? I suggest to you, go to the Bible. I watched, uh, we, we still watch in our house, uh, Wheel of Fortune. And uh, the last week we watched three or four shows, and, and two of them, uh, two of them had two women, two lesbians. The other one had two men, uh, and this was their spouse and their friend. They introduced each other, and it's just as normal as it can be. Well, listen, those people, have, like everyone, has value because they're created in the image of God. But they don't have the right, come on, to define sexual morality any more than I do to justify adultery, to say, I love someone, and I feel like that will make me happy, and I prayed about it, and God says it's okay. 
You know, if we just read from Reader's Digest, we wouldn't have any problems in church. <laughs> but when the Bible bumps against cultural issues, politicians now are talking about defunding Planned Parenthood. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? What do I believe about life? When, when do I believe life begins? Is it at conception or is it just fetal material until it comes out, come on, of the birth canal, unless the woman wanted an abortion and it was botched and then they can still kill the child? When does life begin? Who do, who, do, who do I go to? Who do I tell? Who tells me what's right and wrong? Do I ask a, a paid philosopher or an ethicist who is paid by grant, come on now, to write a paper to say something that the people want it to represent? Or is there absolute moral truth? Come on now. Well, I believe it's moral truth. How about you? I believe it's true. Give the Lord a good hand today. Let me give you two more and wrap it up. Daily Bible reading will help us as we engage in spiritual warfare. Matthew chapter 4, the 40-day temptation, during that time, the devil, not some figure of mythology, but a real spiritual being, came and said to Jesus, if you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But notice what Jesus said. He said, no. It is written, or the Scriptures say, People don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, probably my next series in February is going to be about the dark side of the world, about evil and the demonic and all that. But sufficient to say for this morning's message, Jesus was in a spiritual conflict, and it's quite possible that he didn't see the devil face to face. I mean, the devil is a fallen angel, fallen archangel. He didn't see him face to face, but it's quite possible that this thought came to his mind. And I would suggest to you that our greatest place of warfare is not in what we see. Come on. It's not flesh and blood, but it's the thoughts that are in our mind that we need to take captive. It's the lies that grow in our mind that need to be fought with truth. That the, that the truth anchored in the Word of God is greater than my feelings. Come on. That is greater than the lies in my mind. And when Satan comes to attack me in my mind and in my feelings, I push back with the truth of God's Word. Let me, let me give you one more. Daily Bible reading is the most reliable way for God to speak to us about issues that we face. Now, I'm not talking about cultural issues now. I'm talking about things that you walk through on a daily basis. I find that when I'm in trouble, if you were to go to my desk right now in my study at home, you would find that there's little sticky notes that are stuck everywhere. And at one point, I had the whole front of my desk covered up with scriptures because I was having such a battle inside with, my, with this anxiety-produced feelings and just all that craziness. And it was somehow that the truth of the Word sustained me. And I would go to the Bible and I would eat it like bread. And I will suggest to you it is the most reliable way for God to talk. And if you'll take time to read your Bible every day, you will find that God is conversing with you. And I don't mean just for the history and do the doctrine, which are all vital and real, but I mean spirit is speaking to spirit. You see, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that the, the Word of God is living and active. So when I'm reading through my Bible and, I, and I'm struggling with fear about something and I read Isaiah 41.10 that says, Fear not because God is with me, it helps me. 
it helps my children when they were little and the, and the boogie monster was coming to get them. Come on now. We'd lay in bed together and we'd hold hands and we'd say, say this out loud, God is with me. Fear not, God is with me. And they'd say it two or three times and I was equipping them to fight what they were feeling at the moment. How about if you feel like you just can't make it? You just feel like you're just not qualified. You're not suited. It's too hard. But you know God's called you to do this thing, and you're just reading through your Bible that morning, and you're reading the book of Philippians, and it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's like those words jump off the page. I'm not just talking about, you know, what we would read and could research with a concordance, but I'm talking about the Holy Spirit quickening and bringing a, a rhema word to life for us. It's like fresh bread that we eat. I know my wife, when, when she first was diagnosed with breast cancer, and praise the Lord, you're how many years cancer-free? Four years cancer-free. Praise the Lord. Rejoice with her. But when it first happened and we didn't know what was going on and what she was going to do and what she, and all this confusion, I was just reading through the Bible in an Old Testament verse, Samuel. It was a verse that was not in the context of sickness, but it was just a simple phrase, all is well. And in the midst of our craziness, peace flooded my soul. I wish I could tell you she had a miracle at the moment and she never had problems. But she walked through the valley. But I can remember after that encounter with God, the next time we went to the hospital, we didn't get out with fear. Come on. But we got out with a sense that God is with us, that God's hand is on us, that God's hand is guiding us. And I'm telling you, friend, if you will just open that book and read it, I am telling you, God will speak, and the closer, come on, we make steps to get to him, the closer he's coming to us. Give him a big hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Well, let me conclude this morning um, from 1 Peter 2. Next week, we're going to continue in this and talk about connecting to friends. And here's what I'll teach you next week, is that the people that are your friends today will determine the life you're going to live tomorrow. The people that are in our world, and uh, I think it'll be a blessing to you. But let me close with this scripture. And again, in just a few minutes, five minutes, and we'll be out of here. We're going to sing a song, have a prayer. We'd be honored to pray for you. But uh, this will be something that just passed through your mind, or this will be something that has the potential to alter your schedule. And that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that you will, in the next couple minutes, make a decision. I'm going to start reading my Bible every day. You know, you read where you want to, or if you read along with the church, we've got something in the back of the chair. If you like something paper, we've got an app. But here's what 1 Peter 2, 2 says. As newborn babes, and this is directive, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may do what? Grow thereby or grow up in your salvation. You know, as you're growing up in your salvation, you're getting closer to God. There's a little baby last night and after church, and I, I saw that little baby, and I heard these little tears. She was in her little, you know, carrying case, and not case, but what is it, a little car seat thing. You know. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, all right. Okay, okay, I, I've totally lost it. God bless you. Thanks for coming today. No. Anyway, she's just crying, and I see Mom kind of somewhat frantically putting in the powder and the water and shaking it up, and all of a sudden, this child got what it needed. She settled down. Mama breathed a sigh of relief because this child has this urge inside, I need to grow. I need to grow. I need nourishment. And all she knows to do is to cry and reach out to Mama. Well, that is exactly what can happen, friends, if you'll open your Bible every day. 
And I'm going to encourage you. I'll close with this. There's a if you if you uh, we just added this feature to our, our phone app, but you can download it at the store. And seriously, if you don't know how to do this, there should be some teenagers in the lobby. Uh, please, afterwards, don't be afraid to ask them how to do it. Uh, just have your phone. But here's what I did. Now this was on Friday, but on the 15th, which was this morning, before I came to church to be with you, I just took time first to be with God. And I sat at my desk, and it was this morning, it was Proverbs 30 and Proverbs 31. And my wife, uh, uh, on on the way to work, she was telling me, she said, I didn't get to read it all, but guess what? See where the word in the left hand corner, back? And if you can see the little speaker, if you'll hit that button, it will read it to you. So if you get up late and you're putting on your makeup or you're driving in your car, and the Word of God will get inside, and then we read about a half a chapter of Matthew. Why did we do that? Not because I'm, I'm paid, not because I needed another sermon. I just needed to be with God, and I needed God to speak to me. And I'll tell you, friends, if you're resolving your heart today, I'm going to do my best to be a daily Bible reader. If you get off a day, don't beat yourself up. Just start it the next day. You'll find that your spiritual life in the next year will do, begin to do this, and you'll find your heart could have been far away from God, but your heart is getting closer. Come on, give him a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning? And I want us just to pause a moment in the presence of God. And as you close your eyes, I want you to just pray and say, Lord, I, I want to be closer to you. I want you to help me have a desire to be close to God. There was a time in my own life when some of my habits and some of my addictions were more important to me than God. And I didn't have the willpower to give them up on my own. But I'm telling you, friend, the closer I got to God, the less I wanted to do that other stuff. And if you want to get better, don't clean yourself up to get to God. You get to God and God will help clean you up. Could you just pray and say, Lord, that's what I want. I want to be closer to you. And I just give you the right today that if there's anything in my life that's stopping me, standing in the way, I want you to ask to, I want you to help me get beyond it. Because I want to be the person you created me to be. Welcome, Holy Spirit, today. Let's close with our last song and an opportunity for personal prayer. We'll sing this song through one time and then dismiss. But if you're here today, in just a moment, our prayer team is going to come up here because I know typically after church there's always a handful of people that something in the message, something that was missed earlier, but you just need to touch God. You want somebody to pray for you. Or maybe you have a great burden for someone that you love and care about. We'll, we'll pray for whatever you want to. But the most important prayer we'd like to pray today is if you're here and you say, Pastor, I need to get my life right with God. When you were talking about being saved, being born again, that's you. Maybe you're like the, the girl in the video. She said, I just want to be out on my own and doing my own thing and having fun. But all of a sudden I realized that it was not as good as it was supposed to be. And something's missing in my life. And she said, I turned my heart back to God. Maybe that's what you need today. It's what I did on August 15th, 1976. You say, how do you remember that? Well, I was there. I mean, I mean, it was a profound experience for me because my heart was empty and I knew I needed God. And I did what that little Gideon told me when he gave me that Bible. He read me a verse that said, as many as received him, to those he gave the right to become sons and daughters of God, to those that would believe on his name. 
And I want if you're here today and say, Pastor, that's what I want to do. I want to receive Christ today. I want to begin to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Hey, if that's you, would you just lift your hand real quickly? Do it quickly. I'll pray for you this morning. Say, pray for me. God bless you, dear. I want to get my life right with God. And, and God bless you, too. Somebody else say, pray for me. I, I want to get my life. God bless you, dear. Somebody else say, pray for me. God bless you, dear. Somebody else, we'll pray for you today. God bless you, too. God bless you, too, pal. You that lifted your hands about getting right with God, come on over to the cross. Somebody's going to meet you there. Give him another big hand. Come on up. Let us pray for you. You that lifted your hands, say, I need to get my life right with God. I need to get my life right with God. If you need to be here, come on up. Our prayer team is coming now. They're going to pray with you. And we'll sing one time and go home. Listen, I love you, and thanks for being here. Searching for answers Far and wide Oh, but I know We're all searching for answers Only you provide Cause you know Just what we need Before we say You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. sing through this song a few more times but the prayer team's going to remain around front hey they'll pray with you about anything you got going on in your life this morning but if not you're free to be dismissed and just want to remind you that we're having prayer tonight at six and we'd love to see you then